Welcome to Fertility Now. I am happy to welcome Gila Muskin Block to Fertility Now. Gila is the executive director of Yesh Tikva. Yesh Tikva is Hebrew for There is Hope and it was established to create a Jewish community of support for those struggling with infertility. Hey, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for inviting me to join you today. Oh, I'm so, so honored to. You know, you and I did a quick Instagram in the past on um, ERA, yes. and that was so much fun. It was wonderful. And I, it was wonderful. And I've, you know, learned so much about your community and organization, and I wanted to bring you on so we could talk about it and kind of get out the word to some of my patients about what you do. So here's what I'm going to say to you, and you can kind of guide me along. So Yesh Tigva is all about great community, which is needed to raise awareness, provide psychosocial services to their community, and also really I think is so important is to increase the sensitivity to those who've not had trouble conceiving in order for them to help others. Yes, exactly. What, what made you in your journey create this beautiful community? Uh, so I personally had my own struggles with infertility and four years in, uh, feeling very lonely and in need of support, Yishika began as just a small support group around my dining room table. And part of the experience there was if I'm a one in eight with the other two one in eight sitting at my table who need support, um, and the statistic is that large as in one in eight, then there are lots of us out there. And so we took what was successful for us around the dining room table and tried to share it with the world. And I'm going to tell all the listeners, you know, later I'll, I'll give you their website, the the information uh, I went through every single, every single everything, and it's fantastic. So I'm really like proud of what you've done, obviously. Um, and you're right, one in eight of our patients and people are having difficulty becoming pregnant and it's so stressful for them and they want it so bad. And, you know, I think your the information on your web and when people meet you and your team, if that happens is very valuable. Thank you. Yes. Um, it definitely makes a big difference to move from feeling like you're the one in a one in eight to knowing that you're amongst a community of others who feel that same isolation and struggle in their journey. You know, it's interesting. Part One area that you offer the community is, is information on kind of taking charge of their fertility. And myself as a reproductive physician, all the modules and, you know, you walk through what to expect from your REI and different tests, treatments and explanations the information was fantastic. Oh, thank you. And we tried to make it as much of a multiple sensory experience so that it's not just straight up information, but rather has that piece of someone holding your hand through the process with videos of others who've experienced it with some of their recommendations, tidbits, printouts that you could take along with you to the doctor's office and so many other factors. So, Gail, I just say you said you said that I'm going to just kind of work off that. The Tick the Talks was something that was great to me, and I want our audience to know. There are so many great resources that you offer, but you have really, you have obviously Devorah Enton, who's your clinical consultant, and she's fantastic. Yeah. And she interviews many different experts and people in the reproductive space and talks to them, and they really give out information that is so useful. So I listen to all of them, as you know, wow. and I learned something. 
So think how our patients must feel. They, they love, it's great. Yeah. I mean, I can also say that I have learned so much from all the different mental health professionals, lawyers, and reproductive endocrinologists that Devorah has brought on through the Tick Talk program, as well as individuals who've gone through the struggle themselves. Uh, one of my favorite ones is Devorah did a series on donor conception, and she yes. brought on both the egg donor as well as the donor-conceived children to each share their perspectives of this journey. And, and those children are now in their 20s. Um, so they're already adults able to express what it was like growing up, knowing about their journey, um, as well as how it's impacted them knowing who the donor is. Right. The, the, the uh, videos are incredible. And I, I think the idea that you, that you guys had to have, like you said, multi faceted to have those videos is like incredible. So like I was listening to the videos, you know, I was at my desk doing a little work and cleaning up and listening to the videos in the background, just bringing it all in. I love them. You know, there was talking about infertility and being stressful and the trauma of it and what does parenthood mean and living your life to the fullest and fertility IQ. I just want everyone to know out there, take a listen. There's such great, great discussions on those talks. Yeah, and That's a, a great room. Yes. Yeah. And a shout out to your own Lisa, um, Lisa Schumann, who joined us to talk about what does it mean? What does parenthood mean to you and understanding that concept as you're progressing on your journey of where is that journey going to lead you? Right. And I, I emailed Lisa the other day and said to her, hey, I was just listening to your your video on Yish um, Tikva. And she's like, oh, my God, I loved hers. Yeah, she's listen. She's great. And, you know, I think what is so interesting about all what we're, what we're talking about is there's so many people out there to help us all with our own personal journeys and to give us insight to make it more doable. Yes, it's and needing and being able to tap into those resources really do make the biggest difference on the journey. Right. And I'll leave the, the, the talks in us right now. You know, I thought I found it interesting that someone out there can just click on it. And all of a sudden, be learning all these things. The other thing, which I which I want you to explain to us, is you know this the concept of supporting someone who's the one in eight. Kind of, you guys talk about the friendly friends, peers who are out there, who are there to help you with no judgment and just root for you. That's it's important, huh? Yes, um, it's it's sometimes hard for individuals who've never experienced a fertility journey to understand the implications of the emotional factors that one is saddled with as they're going through their journey. And it leaning into an individual who has been there, understands it, and is now on the other end of their journey to offer you that support with an open ear and without any judgment makes the biggest difference. Right, so this is an interesting area yeah. that I want to kind of throw out to you so you can you can teach us some more. Totally. For example, in, in the community we're talking about, in mm -hmm. the Jewish community, there's a lot of friends and loves, love and in events and people getting together and doing, um, doing things as a group. Yeah. And what's interesting is, is some of the, and, and this made me think about all this, some of the, the people who are involved have children, some don't, some are maybe struggling. And when they go to an event, anywhere social, and for all of our patients, and, and they're trying with their partner, and there's people there who are successful, who have children, they're kind of, they're kind of feeling bad. And you're 
in looking at a lot of your stuff, you teach other people how to be really understanding to the people who are struggling and just bring them in with no judgment and kind of peace and peace and quiet. Yeah. It, it's a big part of the journey is having your community around you and, and understanding that that community goes much farther than the fertility community and, and the fertility community. I mean, I personally was diagnosed in 2011 and to see where the fertility has come in these last 11 years is incredible. Um, that the access to others on social media in support groups who have gone through it is far surpassed anything I could have ever imagined was the fertility community was capable of offering because back in 2011, there was very little available. Um, but it also goes far beyond that. It goes beyond that into the seven and eight, those around you who aren't struggling, the ones who make up your community at ritual events, at life cycle events, just at um, regular community backyard barbecues, um, having them understand what it means for you to face an infertility journey, how to give you grace in that, to remember to always invite you, but to also give you the opportunity not to join. Um, and once you're there already, how to speak to you with empathy and no judgment and avoid questions about your reproductive journey. It's such an important thing. I was recently talking to someone who said, I used to feel comfortable asking someone, so when are you having a child? And the more I've learned about the reproductive community, the more I've learned that that's just an inappropriate and invasive question to ask. And it never came from a place of malice from that person. It just came from right. a place of not understanding the implications of such a question. Right. So th so under one of your resources on your on your site, it's the kind of what to and what not to say. Yeah. And I think that was a great section of, you know, sometimes the seven and eight um have to, you know, do some privacy and some boundaries and kind of um, be sensitive to other people's situations, sometimes being present with the person who's struggling, mindful and forgiving and just kind of being cool about things and, and not being too, tell me if I'm wrong, not being too, asking too many questions and just letting their friendship be. Yeah. Um, the biggest piece of an empathetic friendship is the ability to sit in a place of discomfort and infertility is definitely a place of discomfort and being able to sit with another person in there without judgment without questions and sometimes just in silence of showing up physically without needing to be there verbally makes the biggest difference in that journey i think that so many people crave acceptance and when you are struggling and you feel different it it's it's hard to feel like you're part of the crowd um, and there's a sense of self-isolation that goes on. And when you come with that embrace and bring that person in and say, I want you as you are, no judgment, that makes the world of a difference. So the last minute of what you said is what it's all about. Yeah. If everyone's listening, like when I listen to you say that, that's definitely what it's all about. Because if we're just cool to everyone, then like you said, everyone's getting together and no one feels isolated and, 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 and everyone's appreciative and we're just spending time together. Yeah. Which, what, what it's all about. So I, I, you know, definitely that reading about and with you in your community on that is something that I'm going to take with me to my patients in my life. Cause I like that non-judgmental. Yeah. Um, 
what, tell me about your support groups, just so anybody listening. If I said like to you, okay, Gila, support groups and, and your community, what do they look like? Um, so even pre-COVID, we always did virtual support groups. Um, we realized that it takes a lot to walk out of your house and join a support group when you are in struggle. And so we've always had this model of a virtual support group. It's a Zoom video community. We require that everyone joins and shows up. So it's you're, you're together with other people, but in a safe space in the comfort of your own home. And they're all moderated by incredible mental health professionals with different expertise and trainings within the fertility space, all of them with ASRM training, as well as additional perinatal mental health um, training in loss and grief. Um, we have a group that is for primary infertility, um, we have a group that is for individuals who are further along in their primary infertility journey, as well as a group for those who are experiencing secondary infertility. Um, it, we just started actually a new group for those in the postpartum post-infertility space. I know, I saw that. That's interesting, huh? Yeah, it's, it's interesting how many, the statistics of individuals who experience postpartum depression after um, coming to the space of that dream that they had been dreaming about all along and the identity clash that happens of how do you bridge that gap between I'm infertile and I'm a parent. And so there's a lot that goes in there. Um, it's, it's interesting because, and, and I can say this from my own personal experience, um, a lot of people assume that having your baby is the cure to infertility. Um, and what it is is that it's, it's your bookend on that journey. So you start your journey of trying to conceive, you get your diagnosis, you go through treatment, and then hopefully for most individuals, you come to that child, whatever journey leads you in between there to that child, or you come to the making the choice that you are going to live child-free. And once you get to that space, it's where the real work begins. That's your trauma and healing. Right, right. Oh, it's, it's incredible the way you say that. So, so even though we become successful. We, we, the past kind of, it was, it is an issue and, and it's, and it's important and it was there. Yes. And, and that's when the healing journey actually begins because you've bookended that journey and now you get, you're no longer in that fight mode of, okay, what's the next treatment? What, it, who's the next person I'm speaking to? Um, am I speaking to a doctor? Am I speaking to a lawyer? Um, am I, am I choosing a path through donor conception? Am I choosing a path through adoption? Am I ready to make the choice of closing this journey and choosing to live child-free? And, and that entire time that you're going from diagnosis till making that decision um, and getting there, it's just this constant movement. Lots of waiting, but constant right. movement where there's very little time to heal the trauma that's occurring. It's, it's as the trauma builds. And it's at that point where you are, you've come to whatever that bookend looks like for you, that you finally are ready to start healing the trauma. Um, and, and a lot of us try to bury it because I've reached that goal. I should be happy. Right. But obviously the, the trauma is there and will come up if you don't deal with it. Do you feel that? So some of our some people who've taken care of it and healed it. Yeah. Now they're going for baby number two. Yeah. Does it come back up again or do they now have um, ability to kind of have a, an easier journey for baby two or is it, or is it just variable? 
I, I think it's yeah. variable by the person. I, I yeah. um, I'm, I'm not a mental health professional myself. I'm a behavior therapist by training. Um, but my understanding is, is that it is variable by individual and that it, depending on each individual, different things could be triggering. And I think that even as an individual, you, you don't necessarily know what's going to cause that trigger. It's about having the coping tools and mechanisms and support system to guide you through those triggers so that you could heal once again and that you could pass through the triggers um, in a more health, healthy style. Yeah. So, you know, with, you know, kind of leaving our discussion on support groups, you guys talk about the C3, which is compassion, conversation, community, which is great. And some of the like little tidbits just for our listeners that I think are really cool that I learned from your site and, and listening to your people talk are, you know, do, you know, during this complicated journey, you know, do fun things with your partner, you know, think about the present, you know, you know, you're courageous and, and, you know, support each other, no blame, just strengthen each other and talk to your friends and, you know, just kind of like hang in there. Yeah. You know, you've also some mindfulness is going on. There's some cool videos on mindfulness and like how to, it was interesting. There was some different discussions on like, if you're going to go to your different appointments or you're getting your blood drawn or this and that, there's different times along the journey when our our patients are doing things, blood works, uh, you know, testing this and that and People get stressed and there's little tidbits, you know, so maybe breathing before you go or like to have, it was kind of cool. One of your people was talking about, well, if your partner is going to get a, a blood test and they're a little bit nervous, like put a nice sticky, you know, in their wallet or where they're going to see it. Just there's so many little nice tidbits that you give to the community. It's like, that's commendable. Thank you. Great idea. Yes. And and the truth is, is that it, it, it could be very hard to support a partner as they're going through this process because each of you are experiencing your own emotions relating to it and making sure that you're both supporting the other's experience while also making room for your, for your own. Um, in, in many dynamics, one person becomes the one who is in need of the support and the other one a lot of times is the one who essentially steps up and offers the support and just making sure that within that dynamic, you make room for your own experience if you are the one who is putting yours aside in support of the other. Right. A lot of it's something that the physicians maybe lose sight of is that when our couples or single moms to be are doing all of this, there's a lot to it. There's more to them just coming to our office and us doing what we do. There's them in their homes and their interactions in the community where we have to be very sensitive. And we, we, as, as a physician, I want them to be doing what you're talking about. And that's, you know, making sure they're being safe during the journey because some people can really have some stress during it. Yeah, it definitely is. No question. Yes. You know, there could be, you know, between the couple, they're not, maybe they're not communicating well, there's a little this, that, and we, we don't want that. We want them to be together on this. And we had actually recently hosted um, virtually um, in with the Connecticut community with Loom um, a screening of a wonderful movie that really helps put exactly what you're saying into perspective of understanding that the fertility journey is so much more than the office visits. Is this the film One More Shot? It's a documentary um, that follows the journey of a couple, Maya Grobel and Noah um, Moskin, through their journey um, of infertility and it really gives that bigger picture experience to realize 
all the emotions that come into play within a fertility journey. Oh, there's a lot. There's a lot happening behind the scenes. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. Um, couple little things I wanted to touch on. You know, being an ally for me. You know, as a as a provider, you know, you, you we want people in the community to be an ally. But you know, for me, you know, sensitivity to those. Be a friend. Listen. You know, you come and don't share advice unless asked. It's kind of like you know, if someone is struggling, you know, don't bring it every time. Don't bring it up every time you see them. Just you know, just just hang out with them. Yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah. Um, the one candle initiative yes that's kind of cool yeah it's amazing it was brought to us by one of our um peer mentors which we touched on a little while ago um who are individuals on the other end of their journey who are giving back to those still in struggle um and so her name is Ayala Gross, and she brought this idea to us. She had been doing it um, on her primary fertility journey, um, and she would set aside one candle right before candlelighting on Shabbat um, and use it as an opportunity to both pray for herself that she would be blessed to have a child as well as all those um, that she knew who were struggling. And she pitched it to us last year and said, what if we could make this even bigger? What if we could take this to the bigger fertility community and get individuals all eight and eight. Um, so everyone to take a moment right before they light their Shabbat candles to just pray for those, whether it's somebody they know personally um, or whether it is our list of individuals who have signed up to be prayed on their behalf or just in general of those who are struggling and really just take that pause and say, God, there's potential for so much more life please bring it into this world. And the, in, the beautiful thing about it and, and the significance of the candle um, is, is that there is a custom for many to light an extra candle for each child as they're born. And by leaving, we leave this candle unlit and say, it's a plea to God saying, God, there's so much more potential for more light. Help, you are the key to that. Help these individuals on their journeys find success with their REIs, find success um, in their adoption journeys, find success however it is they are moving through this process of family growth um, and really bring that light into this world, Bring, grant them the soul that they would love to raise. Now, when they become successful, do they light that candle and then have another unlit one next to it? Yes. So the idea is, is that that first Shabbat after that baby is born, um, it, we, one could then light that candle as a thank you to God for bringing that light into the world. At that Shabbat, would, would that person bring more people to their home to celebrate or is it just kind of a mellow, just personal? It's up or to does that not matter? It doesn't matter. It's, yeah. it's up to each individual. Um, it's, it's a very personal uh, experience. And the only thing that we have that we offer to that is that we have a fertility prayer that um, together with the help of um, clergy and um, a liturgist, um, Dr. Leah Levine, um, we compiled a um a prayer on behalf of those who are struggling. There are many right. prayers out there to speak, to be said on, on one's own behalf, but there wasn't any um, any codified prayer to be said on behalf of others who are struggling. And so, in part of creating that community, is being able to use prayer as a means to including those in struggle in in your community. And so, we have what we call um, the H Tikva Fertility Prayer. And so we send that out along with a list of those to be prayed on their behalf. 
right. It's very cool. I, I, I love, love hearing about that. And, um, they, they, that's on your website. Yes. Blog posts are really cool. So I love your blogs. A lot of them are anonymous. Yes. And I read a bunch of them. And just for my audience, your audience, they're just, it's just so well done. Great topics, just a great place to come look at stuff and kind of dabble around your website and, and see all these really great resources that you, your team has put together for so many people. Yeah, th- yeah, they're wonderful. Um, it's individuals who have gone through their own journeys and want a space to share, whether they're ready to share it with their own names or not. They realize that in sharing their stories, they're helping others. And I think that's also part of the support experience is that um, support's not a one-size-fits-all. For some people, it's coming onto a website and seeing resources, reading other people's stories, um, being inspired by them, um, finding comfort in them, finding companionship through that and for other people that goes further into finding a fertility friend and even deeper into being a part of a support group the 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 concept of a fertility friend you i i think you your team matches them someone up with a fertility friend if they want that correct Yes. yes So I know they can contact your team and you will make a match. Is, am I correct on that? Yes. Through the website, there is a form to sign up. And right. both as a mentor and as a mentee, all of our mentors go through um, our own in-house training in which we speak a lot about empathy and active listening. Um, it's very easy when two individuals who've struggled come together to start playing a spitting war of I struggled more and in not even realizing that that is happening. And so the, the goal of our mentorship program and the training is to help take that step back to realize right. that, that natural human inclination to start comparing and to be alert to not start comparing and to really become that active listener, the empath who could just sit with you in your pain. Right. Definitely take some training, no doubt, for someone who's gone through a little bit of struggle now as a mentor. But like you said, they, to be trained and by you guys is so important because then they're, they're such a good fertility friend, in quotes. Yes. They're, they've been amazing. Do you think they talk once a week? Every other day, after different after different uh, um, milestones in someone's fertility journey, tests, transfers. What's your vibe on that? That how often do they interact? Once so, there's a good connection. So the ideal is once a week um, for an hour, um, because the reality is is that everyone has other commitments, and we don't want to overburden anyone in the process. So the commitment of a mentor is for up to an hour once a week but it becomes personalized for some people seeking that support. They want that hour once a week for other people. They want a once a month check-in from their mentor or a text message every now and then we definitely recommend that if there is a milestone that your mentee has shared with you, that you do reach out. So if, if they shared with you that they're about to have a retrieval, sending a text the day before saying something like I'm holding hope with you, um, that you receive the results that you are dreaming of or praying for, um, a message like that goes a long way in saying, I see you and I remember you in this process. Right. And and some, some I know, some, there's some long-lasting friendships yeah. that are had after everyone's successful. And that's like a whole other thing where now new friendships have been made yes based upon this so like you we went from a point of like someone struggling with this and all of a sudden they're successful and like now there's new friends and new hope it's kind of cool it's amazing a few of our um support groups have 
become have created their own uh, WhatsApp chats in which they've exchanged. We were not able to exchange other people's information for privacy reasons, but they've exchanged their own contact information and created their own WhatsApp groups um, and created relationships that far that go far beyond um, the confines of what we can offer. Right, which is really really cool. What it a great is amazing. For that. Yeah. Okay, so well, I really appreciate your time um, and coming on. Any last comments you want to say, or you're good. Um, firstly, thank you so much for having me. This was incredible. I love being able to speak about how those who are not in struggle can support those who are in struggle. And it is such a beautiful place that so many want to learn and understand how to better support loved ones going through it. I think the, the one thing that, um, I would leave off with is that no one's going to get it right. Always. It's just the reality of life. We will all make mistakes. Even I make mistakes or especially I make mistakes. And the best thing that one could do is walk it back. If someone says that what you've done hurt them, triggered them instead of taking it personally, because it's not meant to be a personal affront. It's just a feeling of safety that they feel safe enough to share with you how you've impacted them and being able to take that, walk that back and say, that wasn't my intention. I'm sorry that what I said or did hurt you. Um, tell me how I could do it better next time and, and actively listen to what they're saying so that next time you support them better. Um, there are obviously stuff that are more generic and work across the board and then most things are personal because each individual has their own personal experience, wants and needs and being able to listen um, to the person that you are supporting and understand that it's not personal, they're just in pain and being able to work with them in that space. And so as a physician, I better be a better listener, huh? I'm sure that you are from just I'm from trying. my experience we're talking I'm, with you. I'm you are trying. quite a wonderful listener. No, you I we gotta be good listeners. Yeah. So I wanna thank you. Everyone, Gila is on Instagram. Let's put this out first. Your website is yeshtikva.org, yes. right? Why, of course, right, because I've been in there a million <laughs> times. Y-E-S-H-T-I-K-V-A dot org. Awesome. Now, your Instagram, tell me about that. Yes. Um, we have a wonderful Instagram account that is managed by our social media director, Allison Koblick. Um, it, our handle is at yesh underscore tikva, Y-E-S-H underscore T-I-K-V-A. Um, and it has wonderful content, both for those who are in struggle and those who are looking to support them. And we are always open to conversation and feedback and hearing what you want to see in that space. Um, so it definitely is a wonderful space. And especially my favorite part, the Instagram lives that we get to have with REIs um, and our most recent one that we just did on ERAs. Um, right. Let me do a little comment yeah. on that. Check out like she said, the Instagram live and Instagram account. Um, very cool. A lot of stuff. Um, I know you did one recently about a male infertility with a, a, a reproductive urologist. Yeah, They're it's coming up. Great. Yeah, it's coming up. I looked yeah. at that. I'm watching yeah. everything on going on. So everyone, take a look at their Instagram. There's great info. Thank you.